Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and our guest today is Trevor Sumner, the CEO of Perch. They are the leader in interactive physical and digital retail displays that can detect when a product is picked up or touched by a consumer. Um, and then they respond with a product-specific digital experience that is consistently driving up to 80% sales lift, which is pretty impressive. Perch has won no- numerous Clio, Digital Edison, and Retail Design Awards and was named one of the top 15 tech companies to watch out for in 2018 by Forbes. Um, to give you a little background on Trevor, he's been a founder, investor, advisor, and operator for cutting-edge technology companies with multiple successful exits. If you've been uh, out to a number of different stores, I'm going to list in a second, you probably have seen some of Perch's displays. They work with the likes of Macy's, Sunglass Hut, Neiman Marcus, Kate Spade, Lenovo, Petco. The list just truly does go on and on, which is quite impressive. Um, So this episode is, I think, actually pretty fantastic. Trevor has great energy, has a lot of knowledge of the retail space and the technology space and how they kind of combine to provide a new shopping experience for consumers. So we get into uh, some background about Perch, kind of what they do, how they operate, um, what their how their solution is connected, you know, the different IoT kind of components to their solution to give you some some insights into that, um, and then we get into a bit more high level discussions about the future of retail or smart retail for that. You know, what does a store of the future look like? How will technology affect jobs in the retail industry? And how will IoT specifically have an impact? And we think it's actually more of a positive impact on jobs across mainly all industries. Um, so we talk a little bit more about that. And then we finish up talking about the future of Perch and what, what, what we can be on the lookout for going forward. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I had a great time talking to Trevor. Hopefully he comes back um, sometime next year and is able to talk a little bit more about what they're doing, any new developments within Perch and kind of all the exciting stuff they have going on on that side. So we don't really get to talk about retail too much. Um, so this was a great time to talk about retail mixed with marketing, mixed with IoT. Um, and so at a high level, I think this is a very fantastic episode for you to listen to and hope you get a lot of value out of it. So without further ado, please uh, enjoy this episode with Trevor Sumner, the CEO of Perch. Welcome, Trevor, to the IoT for All show. How's your week going so far? Our week is going great. Uh, we're having actually a big quarter, and we're zooming into the holidays, and the team's really excited. They're planning our holiday party, and uh, we're <laughs> we're about to record a record year, so uh, it's pretty good over here right now. Well, that's good news. Um, what do you guys do for your holiday party? Anything anything special? Yeah, well, you know, our team is a pretty tight knit team. And so we have tree and we're going to do some white elephant. Uh, We're going to go out. We're actually uh, doing a potluck for uh, Thanksgiving uh, right before we leave. And then uh, afterwards, we have a holiday party that's both in the office and then outside of the office. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some surprises. Uh, My head of marketing, Brian, and uh, my head of operations, uh, Elizabeth, uh, have, uh, have have gone creative with the budget, from what I understand. So Very I'm cool. pretty excited about it. I, I'm looking forward to what they what they end up doing. And how big is the company right now? How many people? Uh, right now, we are about 20 people. Uh, 20 people? Okay. I would expect us to grow to, to about 30 or 40 next year. Very cool. Um, I guess one of the best ways to start off these episodes um, would be to have you give a quick introduction of yourself, talk a little bit more about you, your background, um, and kind of what led you to um, to Perch at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I actually grew up in Washington Square Park in the late 70s, early 80s. It's an interesting time for New York. Uh, 
actually grew up in the house uh, that is uh, featured in I Am Legend with Will Smith. If you know that that yeah. that apartment right on the park, and he yeah. blows up my park. Um, actually, president of the Washington Square Association still, and you know, do the tree lighting. That's the other thing we're planning: the tree lighting under the arch. Uh, it's ninety fifth year. Um, but I think part of that, the reason I mentioned that is, you know, New York has a certain metabolism to it. Uh, you know, I lived in Austin right after college, working for a company called Trilogy, and it was great life. Austin's a, a fantastic town, but uh, I had to leave. And my friends asked me why. And I said, you know, I miss seeing a couple thousand people every day walking right. around and, and, and dodging traffic. Like literally, I, I missed walking in traffic. And so I think I've always had this kind of pace and adventure seeking. You know, I've scuba dived in every continent, including Antarctica. I've scuba dived uh, with the largest concentration of sharks with the hammerhead migration in Cocos Islands. Uh, I've done the hang gliding and skydiving. So I like the adventure junkie thing and the adrenaline. And, you know, I got a computer science degree at Princeton. So the natural combination of those uh, two was startups. So I graduated in 1998. Um, so that was the first internet boom. There was a ton of excitement. I went to Austin for a company called Trilogy uh, to sell e-commerce and e-business systems just as that was getting big. Went to a company called Tantau, sold WAP gateways, which no one really remembers. is basically <laughs> the the equivalent of HTTP uh, for wireless back when you know wireless data was first coming out. I did an inter internet TV startup early uh, into 2005, 2006. And then I ended up starting my own company in 2010 called LocalVox, uh, which was an online marketing platform uh, that helped people drive online people to in-store sales using a combination of techniques around Google Maps optimization and social and email and web. And it's there where I kind of got this, you know, kind of really passion for this idea that, you know, <coughs> digital can affect real world behavior. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, what drove me to Perch is, you know, Google Glass was coming out. We were talking about what does it mean to overlay digital information on the physical world? And, uh, you know, I encountered this amazing startup that was doing work in retail, detecting which products you touch and responding with digital media and uh, interactive screens. And I, I, I was hooked. I thought this was real magic that mm -hmm. you could touch a physical object and, and, and things would respond. Right. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a little bit about my background, my adventure junkiness, uh, and uh, how I ended up in startups and, you know, kind of towards Perch. Very cool. So at what stage um, was Perchin when you joined? And did you join as CEO or did you come in as a different role and then eventually kind of move into that position? Yeah, so Perch had been around for a couple of years. It was founded by a guy named Jared Schiffman, uh, MIT Media Lab guy, brilliant technologist. And uh, so he, you know, he, he'd come up with the idea. He had built the core technology and the technology was at the point that, you know, it was ready to, ready to scale and go, you know, at a platform scale. So uh, right. I came in directly as CEO, um, you know, with the notion that we had to figure out how to leverage the, the, the amazing technology that Jared had built and uh, deploy it at, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of locations. Yeah. Uh, so, so I came in about two years ago. Uh, we've, you know, uh, quadrupled in size uh, in terms of revenues. We've doubled in size in terms of people. Um, we're actually cash flow positive this quarter, which is you know a great feat for an early stage startup. Sure. We're still pre Series A, but uh, we're raising money and you know we're in, in early next year. So uh, I mean the the thing about the thing about this opportunity and it's really about reinventing retail. And um, 
that notion that you know online I can click on a product to get more information. I can sure. click to to discover how tos and videos, ratings and reviews, and these are things that we're addicted to, and we spend five hours a day on our phones, you know, depending on. And then the moment you walk into a store, it's it's like a hospital. It's benign. There's none of that mm-hmm. digital content that we need and crave. And so I think you know this technology is going to be broadly applicable to almost every store that you go into, and really, mm-hmm. you know. At, at every shelf. So I got really excited about the opportunity and joined about two years ago. Very cool. So can you um, give our audience a quick overview of Perch and kind of what you guys are doing? I mean, I'm, some of the audience obviously heard of this and we, you've been touching on little pieces of what you kind of do. So they kind of hints on, on how it works. But just in your own words, what, what do you guys do? What's the focus um, and the goal of the company? Yeah. So basically Perch provides interactive retail touchscreens. So, you know, a touchscreen embedded in shelving cases, cabinets, um, end caps. And what's cool about it, as opposed to, you know, all those other kiosks or digital signage solutions, which nobody you know really likes, is that it automatically detects which products you touch using computer vision. So the moment I go to a ShopRite or your local grocery store for Johnson & Johnson, if you touch a Benadryl, I know you've got allergies. So I'm going to tell, tell you about Benadryl. I'm going to tell you about Zyrtec, Rhinocort right. for your nose, Visine for your eyes. At Joe Malone, which is a fragrance company, I touch a fragrance on the shelf and it literally animates into honeysuckle and lemon or sage and wood. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, at Kate Spade, if I pick up a purse, it'll open up and on the screen, it'll show me all the different options and I can customize stripes or polka dots. And mm-hmm. the bottom line is that the reason we do this is to help educate and engage customers. Sure. sure. But ultimately, you know, it's driving 30 to 80% sales lift and tremendous ROIs. And the other cool thing is we get analytics, right? I mean, if you can imagine, um, you know, I, I think of it as like, again, you can click on a product to get more information. Uh, that click in retail is you touching a product, right? right? And now for the first time, I can actually measure like, what is the media delivery on a cost per click basis? I mean, it turns out that it's 70% cheaper than Facebook and Instagram to pick up, you know, let's say a Lancome bottle at the fragrance bar at Macy's, which we mm-hmm. power. Um, you know, Julia Roberts comes up and I would argue that if you've got Julia Roberts as media, the best time to use her and, and that media is the moment that somebody picks up the fragrance because they have the fragrance in their hand and they're 20 feet from the point of sale. So we believe we can have greater media impact, influence sales, build deeper brand relationships. And then you can start looking at like which products convert the best from pickup to sales. Mm-hmm. So why is one product converting at 12% another at 4%? You can actually see this stuff. Whereas most brands and retailers are flying blind. They just look at the end sales data and they have no middle of the funnel analytics. Right. So we believe like this, this notion of click, detecting that click is really fundamental to the experience management, to what we call product engagement marketing uh, in store. And it's going to lead to a revolution of interactivity uh, that's going to surprise us and delight us and just make retail fun again. So, I mean, in order for this to be effective, we you need people obviously in the stores. You need them to get to the store to you know to to purchase to see the the display to engage with the product um, and then buy it. So, how is this what you guys are doing connected to let's say the digital marketing side of things? Um, you know, to drive people to the store, or is this more focused solely on once they're in the store, now working to convert them um, through this um, solution that you guys offer? Yeah, so it's it's not a, a, a direct marketing play to drive people in store, mm-hmm. but I would argue that um, 
you know, by making the store experience joyous again uh, and enjoyable actually does increase store traffic. I mean, the, the reality is there's this kind of this narrative that, you know, that, that physical retail is dead or we have a retail apocalypse. And, and the reality is by almost every measure, um, uh, you know, physical retail is going quite strong. For every company that's closing stores, there are five companies opening up stores. If you actually look at the growth on a dollar basis, physical retail is growing faster, or not faster, more than e-commerce. E-commerce has a faster growth rate, but it's just, uh, you know, only 11% of the pie, which means 89% of transactions are still brick and mortar retail. Uh, okay. 87% of millennials prefer, you know, shopping in brick and mortar. And I, I think of this as being important in the kind of IoT universe, because I think this is the next great digital frontier which is to digitize the physical world. Mm -hmm. And th this is where we spend all our time. I mean, there's this whole notion of, you know, AR versus VR. Like, are we going to climb in our pods and basically experience VR all day? Or are we going to digitize the real world where we currently spend our entire, our entire lives? Right. Um, and and I'm, I'm in the latter camp, sure. right? I think there's, you know, there's, there's so much to be done uh, to create interactivity, to create this kind of sense of magic mm -hmm. associated with the physical world and marry the best of the physical world and the digital world. So more augmented reality kind of experiences is something that you're also talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, th there's a lot of you know, confusion. There's like virtual reality where you put on the right. goggles. There's augmented reality where you're looking through a lens on the world that overlays Mm -hmm. um, images. And then there's this notion of mixed reality, which sure. is kind of where we are in our camp, okay. uh, which is that, you know, while I'm interacting with the physical reality through my eyes, not through a lens, something else happens, some digitization that, that is kind of physically aware. And so these interactive touchscreens to me are a mixed reality gotcha. implementation. Okay. At, and the good thing is that, you know, it's available now, the technology is, you know, available to be deployed right now. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get somebody to download your app and uh, you know, uh, it's surprising. It's magical. Yeah. It's really delightful. So who's creating the content that is, uh, you know, being interacted with on in these um, stores. Are you all creating that? Is that something that the store is, you know, the, the company that uh, the store is, is doing it themselves with like their own marketing and content team or how does that work? Yeah. So the, the beautiful thing about all of this is, Literally every product that you're wearing right now, every product that you've bought in the last, you know, month, you know, year has a tremendous amount of content, mm -hmm. right? There are videos, there's ratings, there's reviews, there's obviously the product image, there's right. the product name, descriptions, all that stuff's already there. The question is, how do you actually deliver it in store without making somebody like scan a QR code right. or, you know, tap a product with RFID or like, hey, go over to that kiosk and go search for the product yourself. Like... None of those are great experiences. And so, you know, they're similar in this notion of uniting physical products with their digital content. Sure. It just puts such an onus on the customer to do it. Like right. nobody's going to do it. Yeah. And we make this completely seamless and magical. Very cool. So, so from, to, answer oh. your, to answer your question, what we do do with the content is we take all those assets, the videos, the, the ratings and reviews, and, and we kind of put, we templatize it into an application okay. that's really designed to engage customers at store. So think right. of it almost like if you know WordPress, yeah, like we sure. create the template, we, we don't put the video, we don't shoot the videos. I got you. Totally makes sense. So on the technology side, um, can you talk a little bit more about the different technologies you all are using and how it kind of relates more to IoT? Yeah, absolutely. And 
So this is a really difficult problem, right? Uh, because we're talking about rich media applications uh, distributed to the edge of the shelf. Sure. Um, and there, there are a bunch of different challenges there. Uh, so, you know, effectively, any of our devices are, you know, a, a touchscreen, uh, a Linux box, uh, 4G router for internet connectivity because you can't depend on store Wi-Fi, right. um, and a sensor that's typically a computer vision 3D camera. Okay. Um, now, now, basically, you need persistent connectivity to deliver these rich media apps right. uh, to the devices. They need to be uh, hardened because you've got, you know, customers, you know, tapping on screens and you know, who knows what they're doing, right? And, you know, they're, they're, they're at the point of sale. So retailers are very concerned about making sure that they're working and that their brand is reflected properly and that the brand's, uh, you know, content are uh, being displayed the right way. So you basically have to create this high availability distributed network of devices that's more than just, you know, often IoT is like a set of sensors that just kind of syncs to, to the cloud. We actually have a set of distributed applications, and how do you create devices that are, you know, powerful, reliable, self-healing if there are any issues? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, you know, every now and then, all of our all of our devices seem to need a reboot, right? Sure. Um, you know how how do how do these guys you know detect that the four G service has suddenly become interrupted and yeah. automatically re- reboot the four G router? How do we look at you know exception conditions, memory leaks, anything else? So. Um, you know, having the telemetry on all the data for these devices that are literally running, you know, f- 4K videos or HD videos and interactivity. How do you sync up all those analytics so you have the telemetry, not just on the device itself, but how the application's performing to be able to do A-B testing on content? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, there's so much to that, that uh, it's really a very powerful network that we've built and a very powerful architecture um, how do you m- maintain code bases for these applications that are, in one ways, you know, they're, they're kind of customized applications, or you know, from a media perspective, but at the same time, share an underlying management infrastructure so that you can update the code code across all of them. Um, so, yeah. you know, how do you containerize that? How do you manage the versions across right. different um, different deployments? It's it's a very sophisticated problem, and we've built a, a, a very powerful management platform to be able to manage a fleet of devices as big as we do. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, so on the, the is there, are there any sensors involved in the solution? Like are there pressure sensors or anything like that along the lines of like when something gets picked up, you can recognize which, which product is picked up to then play the correct content or how does that work? So we use computer vision there, okay. right? So that, that the challenge with things like weight sensors or pressure sensors is you've got to now, let's say, you know, if there are hundred products on the shelf, sure. that means you have a hundred different sensors. Right. Um, RFID, you've got a hundred RFID tags mm-hmm. that are causing noise between them. So none of the sense, so, so you're going to have to put a ton of sensors in and it becomes noisy. Um, uh, there, there are a couple different sensing technologies that are out there. We think computer vision is the right answer. Okay. Um, you, you can detect behavior, not just, you know, pick up and put down, uh, but you know, did the customer take the product with them as they left? Right. Uh, did the customer approach you know, what is the conversion from approach to interaction, approach to pickup? You know, these are starting to see kind of more the advanced behavioral analytics. Um, so we see a lot of like very simple, what's called lift and learn solutions okay. um, that just, you know, they, they don't scale in the real world. And I think that is a little bit a part of, you know, having a strong philosophy of what IoT means in a you know demo state versus mm-hmm. what does it really mean to deploy this operationally and have a business impact? Fair enough. 
Okay, that makes total sense. Yeah, I was just curious because I've seen the ones you know that are kind of more on the you know the, the opposite of what you guys do with sensors involved, and I was just curious how how the computer vision tied into that, um, and which you know the success you were seeing with with computer vision over you know deploying lots of sensors or RFID and so forth. So that makes a makes a lot of sense and super interesting. Yeah. Um, so when yeah, you- I mean, if you look at like Amazon Go, right? Sure. Amazon Go has both vision and weight sensors and RFID and it, you know, it's, it's prohibitively expensive to scale out. Agreed. If you look at that, you know, most of those lift and learn solutions, you know, you know, we're, we're supporting, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of devices, even within a single client. Yeah. Um, and you just don't see that in other places just because there are too many operational headaches. It's, it's, it's a novel solution, but it doesn't scale. Right. So that's really what we focus on. Makes sense. Great. So when um, when a customer comes to you, let's say, what what does that typical customer engagement look like? Like, you know, they coming to you and saying, "Here's my problem. How does your solution solve it?" And then you're kind of pitching them on how the solution would work and and kind of what they can expect to see on the ROI side, or or how does that like just basically a, kind of an overview of what that typical engagement um, process looks like with the customer? Yeah. So yeah, I would say eighty percent of our, our of our clients are brands themselves. So like Johnson and Johnson. Uh, who don't necessarily have a retail footprint that they own themselves. And their challenge is, hey, I got all these products and I got all this content, uh, but you know, when I put it on the shelf, it just gets lost with everything else. And my product is special, right? right. And I want to educate the customer about it. So, you know, the challenge there is, you know, if you've got, you know, boring looping video on a digital signage machine, I mean, I, that's like the banner ads of retail, sure. right? Nobody wants to engage with it. It's interruptive. It's not helpful. It's not personalized. So, they really want to tell their product story. Uh, we actually just recently updated our tagline uh, to be every product tells a story. And so it's really that brand storytelling that they've invested so much money in that they want to invest in where 89% of sales occur mm-hmm. in physical brick and mortar retail. And then the analytics are you know, just gravy. I think most people have been flying very blind. They basically, all they get is sales data as a brand. And it's really hard to optimize. I mean, imagine if like Amazon had no product pages if you couldn't yep. had no google analytics or omniture or whatever analytics they probably have something homegrown <laughs> right but if, if they tried to manage only from sales right. data they couldn't run any of the a b tests they couldn't run any of the optimization <clears throat> that they would want on cart abandonment and these other things and, and that's basically where brands are now so we're really kind of pitching the value of the analytics on top of the 30 to 80 sure. percent sales left um but for the retailers, I think it's an interesting other model. They're thinking about, you know, how do we build a loyal customer base? How do we increase dwell times? How do we increase this, this notion of engagement? That's, that's the word people use, experience and engagement. Yeah. Um, and so what we're seeing is about 5 to 10x enga- engagement with, you know, people and their products, uh, time spent, uh, you know, at the shelf. And the beautiful thing is for a lot of our retailers, they basically are creating this premium real estate that they just sell to the brands uh, to, you know, subsidize the cost. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, everybody is looking at what is the experience of the customer and recognizing that it's just, it's not enough to put products in the shelf anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just a benign shopping experience. It's boring yep. and you can't, you can't trust the sales associate to tell your brand story. Mm-hmm. So you need to start taking control. Very cool. Um, so I know you already mentioned a bunch of different use cases. I've seen a bunch of, you know, the, the things you guys are doing now and they're all super impressive. Um, can you just talk high level of some of the, the most interesting use cases, most successful use cases you've seen in the in the stores that maybe some of our listeners may have come across or would come across if they went to those stores? Yeah, so I, I you know, we recently launched with Macy's. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they looked online and they saw that 
uh, people shop by fragrance family. So, you know, floral, woodsy, fresh, spicy, sweet, etc. And the problem is in store, all the brands, you know, again, you know, Lancome, they've got Julia Roberts. They want to make sure that they have a stand with Julia Roberts right. and pitching their specific fragrance. So if you walk into, you know, Macy's before Perch, you'd walk in and they're like 50 different brands competing for your attention and you had no idea where to start. Mm -hmm. And so the fragrance bar uh, starts with allowing you to you know, asking you a couple questions and saying, you know, here's what we think your fragrance family is. And based upon that, you go to, you know, kind of a Perch station for, let's say, floral, and you can try the different scents. And the moment you touch it, up pops Julie Roberts, up pops ratings and reviews. There's a QR code to launch the Macy's mobile app and, you know, either download it or if you already have it, it knows who I am. I get my, you know, silver rewards. I, you know, can even check out without having to go through right. a cashier. And so that's, you know, that's been remarkably successful by a lot of different metrics, which unfortunately I'm not allowed to talk about publicly. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, we do a lot of work in the beauty industry. Uh, we work with Johnson & Johnson in mass market. Um, where we've seen, you know, 38, 39% sales lift. And what's interesting there is, you know, they've been really looking at the content that gets people to engage. And because they, they, they basically look at the ratio of, you know, what things, what people pick up versus what they interact with screen, like that conversion rate, they were able to see that influencer videos uh, were more effective than commercial uh, videos. And so they've, they've switched to all influencer videos on the mm -hmm. Perch platform and seen a tremendous increase in engagement. Um, we're currently at Best Buy uh, in Canada and selling, you know, 59% uh, more laptops for AMD and uh, Hewlett Packard. Uh, so, you know, we're doing a lot of interesting things across categories. It's health and wellness. We're doing a lot in the CBD industry where obviously there's, um, you know, a lot of education that happens. Uh, Invisalign is working with us because... Um, you know, they have this great tool that's called Smile View, and you can go on their website and use it. And it takes a picture of your smile, and it'll correct it and show you what your after smile is. And, you know, I've got a little bit of a crooked tooth on my bottom, you know, row, and I never thought it was a big deal. But then I did the Smile View, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to buy it, right. right? So it's really thinking about all those digital tools that you can use to influence consumers. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that in health and wellness, CPG, beauty, fragrance, electronics. So... Uh, you know, we believe that this is going to be a technology that's going to be everywhere. So when a customer, say, interacts with, with the display and, you know, picks up the product, watches the videos, touches the screen, and so forth, and then leaves without buying anything, per se, that day, um, are there any type of re-engagement elements to this that um, that the the store is able to kind of, I guess, act on once they've seen how customers or an individual customer is interacting with, with um, your solution? Well, certainly you can you, you can start doing you know A/B testing and testing the content to continuously update it and make it more effective. I think the other thing that people are really struggling with is, you know, uh, increasingly uh, the journey for customers okay. is omni-channel. A lot of people, uh, I think, twenty-eight percent of customers will go in store just to complete the purchase right. online. And so, how do you attribute that? So, you know, for Macy's, they're using QR codes to get to the mobile app to get discounts and and loyalty points. At Kate Spade, you can put an email address, send it to yourself, and then order online. Uh, we've done, you know, mobile as well. Uh, you know, the reality is, I, I could tell you that you know this is the sure. way to close loop to online attribution. The reality is, you lose about ninety percent of people who right. don't do any of these. So, um, you know, we've looked at things like NFC, 
We've looked at things that, you know, pulling the UI, UD off of mobile phones. The reality is none of those technologies are, are there yet. Um, that often most of the technologies for the future will be opt-in. Um, you know, and Apple's really kind of pushing to make sure sure of that from a privacy perspective. So that's not something that can be done in a, as automated fashion as I think retailers mm-hmm. and advertisers would like. Um, but that as consumers, we're probably pretty appreciative okay. of. So I guess taking this like a step, you know, outward, what do you, how do you believe, um, or what do you believe the store of the future will kind of look like? Like in addition to what you're building now, um, just as a whole, you know, with e-commerce being the beast that it is and, and retail still growing, you know, according to what you mentioned earlier, how what do you see the store of the future really looking like in the next, you know, five, 10 years? Yeah, I think Stephen Dennis, uh, he's a Forbes contributor and he owns uh, Sageberry Consulting. He he said it, he coined this phrase that I think is just dead on is that physical retail isn't dead. Boring retail is. So the days of just putting your your products on a shelf are over, right? You know, Amazon has over 200 million uh, products and SKUs, including their marketplace. And you can't just, you know, just put, just, basically compete on selection, right? So it's going to be experiential and it's going to be different for different you know, market segments. Right now, what we're seeing in the retail market is what they call the barbell, where the luxury market's doing really well and the discount market's doing really well. And the middle market is really struggling because there's no, no clear sure. reason to go, right? And so you're seeing people like Macy's, you know, they acquired Story, uh, which is basically a a pop-up that changes every two months uh, with a new mm-hmm. you know, theme, a new story. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of that type of uh, stuff. You're going to see malls convert to be more experiential, whether it be sure. uh, with more food options, more entertainment, um, even education, lots more reasons more to actually go yeah. as part of uh, – exactly, right? So you know, on one hand, I rail on this like generic umbrella that's experience because sure. what does that even mean? Um but, you know, it's because you're moving away from a selection mindset, you know, where you have these big giant stores with like right. just endless shelves of stuff. You're seeing smaller format stores. So the Sears, the JCPenney's, they're all closing down because their stores are too big. They're paying far too much for the real estate. Those are going to be broken up. Smaller stores, more experiential, more right. like Bonobos where you walk in, you know, you find your size, you try it on, and then you buy it online. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's just literally, you know, one sure. inventory in every size yeah. for, and that's it. Um, and so it's going to be smaller, more agile, more experiential. They're going to be more personalized. They're mm-hmm. going to know who you are. You're going to check in. It's going to have your purchase history. Um, and they're going to remind you like, Oh, you know, we have that shirt yeah. that you bought, you know, three months ago and that you gave a five star to, we actually have it in yeah. more colors and it's on sale. Would you that's be really interested in that Trevor? Um, yeah, so it's 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 going to be personalized. Yeah. It's going to be friendly. It's going to be enjoyable, right? And not a chore. And and that's what's really going to differentiate the future of retail. Do you think it's going to kind of bring down the amount of people, like individuals that have jobs in retail, or is this job's going to shift to kind of more of the technical side in order to keep these um, solutions working within a store and handling the technical issues that come up? Uh, because because I agree with you. I think, you know, this is the direction that retail needs to go in and is going in. Um, and just personally, as a shopper myself, I understand how the value of, of it becoming more personal, more interactive and give me a reason to go to the stores versus a lot of stuff I buy, I can just buy online, but there is, are a number of things that I need to go to the store for. And if those exper- if that experience is more personalized to me and as a more enjoyable experience, you know, not boring, then I'm going to be out at these stores more often than not. 
Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it, it, it's it's a little bit dependent on category. I think they're going to be less jobs at the front of the house. There's going to be a lot more autom- automation, and sure. certainly, you know, Andrew Yang is as as a presidential candidate is, is is beating the drum of the deep reach of automation from truck drivers to like mm-hmm. farming. You know, lo- there's so many jobs that are going to be affected by this. But uh, do you know what the fastest growing job in retail is? Software no. engineer. So. It's going to okay. create a bunch of different technology um, positions. Uh, the supply chain is going to be automated. Stores are going to be seen as local distribution centers and highly automated with robots, which will fundamentally bring down the cost, but also therefore free up budget to do these things that are experiential or provide better sales tools. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to see is a shift in investment. Um, and I think in the low end, in the discount stores, you know, their goal is to continue to find lower and lower prices. And in the luxury stores, right. what it means is you're going to continue to get better and better experiences and personalization um, and one-to-one kind of service. So it's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. But if you look at, you know, these are the same arguments that were placed in terms of the industrial revolution and the agricultural revolution. And the, the key was always yeah. they were going to be losing jobs, losing jobs. And it turns out it's always done the exact yeah. opposite. So I'm hopeful. Yep. It just creates new jobs. It shifts jobs around. It's just, you know, that's just the nature of industry. Yeah. And the hard um, part. But it's always a topic anytime you talk about technology. Yeah. I, I think the hard part as a society is managing the transition in terms of functions. It's not It's not easy yep. to say Absolutely. that coal miner job is gone in West Virginia. Why don't yeah. you go be a software engineer? Yeah. And so we have to figure out as a society how to ease those frictions and, and the pain in those those transitions especially as the cycles keep going faster and faster. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's inevitable. We're never going to be able to avoid that kind of thing as we, if, as we, as a, you know, society want to grow and evolve. We're I think this is going to naturally happen. It's happened ever since our existence. Um, we're just seeing it, I think at a different scale at times um, because we're so close to the technology and it's re- re- happening, happening relatively quickly. Um, you know, so people are obviously getting very, very worried about what's going to happen, especially if that's, a job that they have that or someone they know has and they could be you know require or the demand for that kind of goes down um then they're worried what they're gonna yeah. do so so it's definitely yeah a i mean and, and that's sure. that yeah that's one of the reasons i'm ex- super excited about the kind of iot industry is, yeah. is, is i believe there will be sensors everywhere so yeah. where are those opportunities right like right. it's everywhere from you know, big data architecture and how do you manage all this data from, you know, the internet of eyes and the internet of things and, um, you know, uh, data processing and, and managing data insights. But it's also, you know, who, who who's going to repair those devices when they go, you know, sure. when, when there's an issue? How do we, you know, how do we deal with the maintenance of that? How do we deal with, um, you know, we'll have robots, but, mm-hmm. you know, who manages the the robot army uh you know at my local you know mcdonald's so i think again you know there's so many opportunities because we're going to digitize the physical and real world right that you know this field really excites me yeah and it's not all so much that it's only going to create technical jobs i think people need to understand that because a lot of what iot does is it improves operations it improve it makes things more efficient more effective in in from a business standpoint and helps people that are not technical just do their job better so yes maybe not be there might not be as many as many um, as a need for as many people in a specific role but i do believe that a lot of iot solutions and, and we've engaged with a lot of companies who build solutions like this actually help people who are in non-technical jobs do their job better and does not require them to become a technical person in order to survive 
Um, so I think that's something important people to understand. It's not just going to create only technical jobs. There's still going to be non-technical jobs out there, and IoT will just help them do their jobs better or help these businesses operate more efficiently so that um, you know they can thrive and grow and then hire and employ more people. 100% agree. I mean, I think people... The, the, the old adage was the personal computer was going to put us all out of work, right? Yeah. But instead, you know, I've got, you know, uh, a whole uh, whole industry of knowledge workers that are higher value, who, who earn bigger, uh, bigger incomes. Um, it frees us up to do higher value tasks right. and more interesting ones that have a bigger impact to the end customer. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm not a futurist, but sure. uh, um, I'm hopeful. I'm yeah. hopeful. Agreed. Agreed. So let's, um, as we wrap, wrap up here, I want to just ask quickly uh, regarding Perch, what does the next, you know, 12 to 18 months look like for you guys? Anything kind of exciting on the horizon that you can talk about or mention that, that we could um, kind of be on the lookout for? I know you guys talked about possibly raising money next year. Um, is there a kind of a goal or a focus for that investment that, um, that'd be exciting to hear about? Yeah. So we're raising our series A in Q1 of next year. Okay. Um, I think, uh, as I said, we're having a really big quarter. Uh, we have, uh, you know, one deal that uh, is uh, currently on the table that's bigger than our entire annual target for this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have the opportunity to really kind of knock it out of the park. Um, and I think, you know, for us, you know, as I look at that next, um, that next, that next transition of over the next twelve months, we're seeing we're seeing a, basically a, this tidal wave of activity when it comes to in-store digitization. And so, you know, for me, uh, you know, I'm a Lego kid. I like to build things, right? Sure. So um, I'm really excited about this analytics product that I've had in my head for the past six months, you know, trying to figure out how to kind of automate the, the content optimization across, you know, throughout the middle of the funnel through really understanding consumer behavior in a very deep way that makes it, you know, makes it clear that if you, if you measure this on a cost per click basis or a cost per acquisition basis, or look at this compared to traditional internet advertising campaigns, that it's actually mm -hmm. much more cost-effective and meaningful to deliver this media in store. And sure. that will lead to billions of dollars of spend trans, you know, transferring to kind of in-store retail. And it's, you know, it's exciting because we're watching, you know, Warby Parker and Casper and Madison Reed open up, you know, tens, hundreds of stores at a time. All the direct-to-consumer e-commerce guys are moving in-store and focusing on that. And so for me, it's really about focusing on that next level of sensing and behavioral understanding of the shopper. It's about providing those analytics. And yeah. then it's really about world domination. I mean, I think, yeah. uh, you know, we'll be, I, I, you know, I, I actually don't have, I have a map of where we are in the world. Um, but, you know, we, we're creating this kind of map of where we are in the United States. And mm -hmm. we should be in absolutely every state by the end of next year. Um, and including, you know, Alaska and Hawaii and, you know, I'm, that gets me excited. I think about, you know, with front facing cameras, we can do sentiment analysis and, and really understand how people react to certain types of content. I'd like part of what I'm, what gets me passionate is, you know, bringing this joy back to retail. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see and race to how many millions of smiles can we generate through, you know, our media, our media programs and our applications. Um, really understanding that, you know, I think really get, gets me excited. I think, um, you know, that, that analytics, that insight, that data can really transform the physical retail industry. And I think we're, you know, on the forefront right now. So, you know, my goal is continue that leadership and, you know, execute like hell.
Absolutely. Well, it sounds super exciting. I wish you guys the best of luck in what you're doing. It sounds like, you know, you've made some incredible strides over the last number of years and you know, what you guys are doing from, from my standpoint is very impressive. Um, I don't go out to stores very as often as probably other people, but I, you know, whenever I go out, I would be looking for these, for these displays and, um, from everything I see on your website, it looks quite impressive that, you know, what you guys are doing and, um, the success rate that you guys have is incredible. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, we're expanding rapidly. So I, I would be remiss as a CEO if I didn't say that we were hiring <laughs> uh, front-end engineers, back-end engineers, uh, you know, uh, computer vision engineers, Linux engineers, right. as well as, you know, all kinds of staff. So uh, cool. I'm going to throw that out in the world for the IoT for All community. Yeah. Uh, because I'm sure there's somebody out there who wants to work on an interesting problem like this. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, it's definitely playing into the future, too, so that's very cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I don't have too much, too much else on my end. If people want to learn more, um, what's the best way to kind of engage, going to the website? What what would you guys recommend? Yeah, so certainly learn more about us uh, at perchinteractive.com. Okay. Um, uh, my email address is trevor at perchinteractive.com. You can email me directly. Um uh, if you're interested in, you know, what we're doing or maybe even joining the team, yep. um, you can also, you know, we're pretty active on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can look us up. I think we're at perch experience on Twitter and LinkedIn under our name. Okay. Uh, yeah. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. Um, you know, we're sharing a lot of content out there. I think part of our challenge is that this is a new frontier technology. And so we're spending a lot of time trying to educate the industry about, you know, what the capabilities, what's really possible here. Right. Um, and so uh, we love to connect with other people who are interested in our mission. Sounds good. Well, we'll make sure um, we link up a lot of that information in the description, in the, the content that we produce around this episode. Um, and hopefully it helps you guys out. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. This yeah. is great. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, so take care and good luck with everything. We look forward to seeing how things progress. And maybe sometime next year having you back on and talking about kind of what's happened in between our conversations. Sounds fantastic. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to that episode with Trevor Sumner, the CEO of Perch. Hope you guys got a lot of value out of it, talking about retail, IoT, marketing, kind of the whole mix. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Trevor, as I kind of mentioned in the intro. So hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of that as well. If you did uh, enjoy the episode, please leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. It helps others find it and it lets us know that you're a fan, which is pretty cool for us. Um, also, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe so you're able to download and get the latest episodes the second they become available. Our goal is to still push out one a week, um, so hopefully you guys are getting value out of each episode that we're able to release. Something else to mention, if as a listener, if you have somebody that you work with or you think would be a great guests on the podcast, please reach out and let us know. Or if there's a guest maybe at a company that you are have you know experience with or, or think would be great to be a guest um, maybe that you're not connected to, please just drop us a line and just let us know, you know, if we is there any way we can get that specific guest on an episode and we'll do our best to try to get them on. Um, other than that, thank you again for listening and enjoy our future episodes.